All right, Adrian, here we go. Another question from a caller. First time caller, long time listener, Jessica mm-hmm. Z. And this actually, uh, she's got two of them, maybe two last names, Jessica ZT. This came through uh, Facebook, the BTWB Facebook, and that message was passed on to us. And it's it's really cool, and I think it would be a good topic to dive into. So she says that she needs advice and thinks that this would make a good show idea. By the way, Jessica, we agree with you. It is a good show idea. <laughs> Clearly. I've been doing CrossFit for almost 10 years. I started when I was in my early 30s. Now I'm in my early 40s. I work out five to six days a week religiously because I love it, and also because I'm an affiliate owner, and I like to test my programming. Awesome. Good on you. The problem I'm having is as a quote-unquote aging athlete is ever is after plateauing for over a year, I have begun to decline. PRs are very rare. Very was in all caps. I would, PRs are very rare, and I'm more likely to be 10 to 15 pounds lower than my old max lifts or I'm 30 seconds or more longer in timed workouts, etc. I don't want to continue to slide backwards, and it's frustrating seeing everyone around me continue to make gains. Honestly, it's depressing. And yes, I already know that I've still come very far from where I started and that I'm in great shape, but any tips or advice for the aging athlete? Are there any supplements older athletes should take to help them continue to make gains? So... Figured we'd get a couple people that are familiar with. Um, uh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna call you an aging athlete, you know. And I'm. I'm gonna well, say I'm, I'm in my prime. <laughs> I'm. I'm a little. I'm a little behind you in that regard. But if we look at training age, I think we're probably pretty close. Oh yeah, for sure. For and, sure. Well, it's, so first thing that jumps out to me in that question is this idea of I'm 10 years deep and the PRs are very few and far between. And to me, that's kind of a yep. Very normal type circumstance. I think anybody who's been doing anything for 10 years, especially if those 10 years have been productive and they've they've stuck with it, you're going to find that progress is very incremental at that stage. It doesn't matter if you're powerlifting, distance running, learning learning to play tennis, whatever. Mm -hmm. 10 years deep in the game, necessarily, you've gotten all of the beginner gains out of the way. You've gotten to the point where it's going to take a lot more kind of dedicated training to really push the needle forward. So that has to be just something that's accepted as part of being in the game, so to speak. So that's that's number one. And I think that's a bit of a separate issue than, than what she's talking about, but it's important to acknowledge that the further you get down that road, the longer it's going to take to see less incremental progress. That's just a physiological reality. Agreed. And I've got some notes that I wrote down before the show, so I wouldn't sound like a total slipknot on here. And <laughs> and that was one of the first ones that I had was, yep, you know, yep. lots of PRs at first, then they show up, but not quite as often. And then as the years tick on, they do become rare. And this is one of the things I always really liked about the CrossFit methodology in general when I first got into it way back, which is why maybe I'm in the aging athlete category as well is I love that they just unrepentantly told the truth. And even if it was unpopular, yeah. if it didn't sit well with people, if people squirmed in their seats, and it was one of the first, first you know, methodology I've heard that said like, like, yeah, like as you get older, everyone has a decline. 
period, end of story. You mm. will face that one day. So you might as well, you don't have to like it, but that is just a physiological and biological reality. And then they, um, I like the CrossFit always tempered it with, because then the question would come from somebody, well, when's that going to be for me? Mm-hmm. It's like, if I only had a crystal ball, there's so many factors involved in that. Did you start, you know, if you came from a single joint bodybuilding machine-based training for years and you're new to compound lifts and you're new to intensity, and you're new to this, like you've got a long, wonderful wave of adaptation ahead of you. Did you come from being a pretty high level athlete? Were you not athletic at all? Did you start in your 20s? Did you start in your 40s? All of these things are going to give everybody a different runway and horizon as to how long will you be beginner? How long will you be intermediate? How long will you then be advanced? And when do those PRs flourish? Just every day seems like a new PR. And and when are they popping up less frequently, but you still kind of see them? And then maybe when are you in the area that Jessica's talking about here that she misses her friends, these PRs that used to be around <laughs> and they're not there anymore. And we're all on a little bit of a different fitness journey there, but we're all yep. going to the same place, just kind of on a different timeline. So yeah, yeah, I think we're I think we're in agreement there. And and from a timeline perspective, I think if you remove the age from it, it doesn't really matter when you start. Although I guess you know you can make an argument if you start younger, you got maybe a little bit more runway. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the the name of the game is how do I get my fitness as broad as possible and then keep it from contracting for as long as possible. And so what's important is that you make that breadth happen and then you try to to maintain it. Um, Now, that's not to say that you can't continue to get better. I think what you have to be intelligent about as you're further and further down the track is what are the things that are still relative weaknesses that you can continue to push the boundaries on? Because your, your things that you're drawn to or that you're naturally inclined to excel at, you've probably worn out a lot of the potential for PRs there. But there's probably lots of other things. And that's, again, one of the beauties of pursuing a general capacity. There's always a weak link. There's always something that you can work on that you can continue to see progress in just due to the nature of there being so many factors that you have to take into consideration. So maybe it's something as, um, you know, seemingly minor as you start working your L-sit and -hmm. you start off and you're like, man, a 10 second L-sit is just killing me. But with a couple of months of dedicated practice, you're working up and now it's, you know, better part of a minute. It's like, but that's a huge win. And I'm sure that you could find something like that, that allows you to see that progress again, that has been neglected. If you take a look and and really kind of suss out where your strengths are and what you've been focusing on. You know, that makes me grin because the else that you can almost throw that out in, in any group of crossfitters and you know they're not working it enough like that's just yeah, a gun. It's, a, it's like flossing your teeth everyone knows that they should do it far more frequently than they do and they're like yeah, no, it's okay, the strict gotcha. press the strict press of uh the strict of gymnastics press, movements yep. and, and you could also probably say the same that most crossfitters if i could paint with a broad brush which is one of my strengths mm. uh probably don't hit the track enough for some track days yeah, you sure. know yeah. The eight hundred meter repeat. How's that looking for you? The four hundred. Yeah, like you could, you could, <laughs> you could dive into some things that aren't sexy, aren't flashy, and probably do have a little bit of dust on them. And there, there is, uh, there's still some gains to be made yeah. in those areas. And I would say, I've got a list of ten things to 
mm-hmm. to, to tap on that I've been all been guilty of before. And you kind of tapped on one of them right now, which I think you did, whether you meant to do it or not. I had as number 10, just the power of variance. And what I meant yep. by that was just what you said. There's so many things that we can work and it can be easy to unbeknownst just do the stuff you like or bias your, your training a little bit. And I don't think Varus gets the respect that it deserves to really drive the needle forward. And I think it's one of the magic parts of CrossFit. And, and entwined in that variance is working your weaknesses. Because by its very nature, you mm-hmm. ideally would expose yourself to a whole bunch of weightlifting, monostructural, and gymnastics. And there was a uh, Greg or some old CrossFit Journal article, I can't remember where it was said that, you know, that basically the human body is one piece. And so, you know, he made some observation that he was working with like a downhill skier and this downhill skier didn't have any pull-ups. And you might think that pull-ups are unrelated to being a downhill skier. So why is it important? But, you know, finding that deficiency in the athlete, improving that deficiency makes even what they were good at a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And I've found that to be the case time and time again. So I would, I would really dive into that variance and kind of see, like you're saying, where can I dig into a little bit on this? Yeah, and and one clue also is in that written statement anyway, or written question, was, uh, you know, okay, Jessica likes to do her own program. And I think it's really commendable when people that are responsible for an affiliate and their coaching, that they do their own program. That's great. I think it's a good sign. Um, However, it's also important to recognize that when you're doing your own program, um, oftentimes you are um, unaware of the bias that you might bring to the table. And if you've been doing it for some time, it's easy to fall into a rut where you have certain aspects that you emphasize a little bit more than others, certain movements that you kind of gravitate towards. We all do it. There's nothing wrong with that. But just having a little bit of outside influence in that can really start to break you out of that pattern. So I would recommend that, hey, maybe you still do the workouts for your gym, but but see if you can inject somebody else's opinion in there once in a while just to make sure that you're getting your bases covered because, you know, Pat's going to program differently than I am is going to program different than Jenny down the block, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And all of those flavors can combine into something really cool. But if you're only stuck to one, sometimes you start getting into these habits that you just aren't seeing. It's very, very easy to do. So that's that's another thing that stuck out to me is, hey, commendable that you're doing the program that you want everybody else to do. That's awesome. Don't lose that. That's really important in my opinion. But see if you can just inject some outside influence into that. It doesn't have to be all the time, but try to get some regular variance in that regard and see if that doesn't kickstart something. I I agree with that. And I will tell you, I won't I won't, I can tell you offline, but not here, my secret circle, but I've got, you know, the the, the Google doc that I do all my programming on. There's a small handful of people that have shared access to said Google doc. And particularly for that reason that I'll, I'll get on the phone and be like, Hey, let me know when you got 20 minutes, click on it. Hey, check out these next two weeks. Sanity, basically sanity check me. You know, have I fallen in my own trap? Am I neglecting something? And you know, and you might get a whole bunch of time that no, it looks good, it looks good. But every now and then you're going to get, hey, what about this? You're like, ah, thank you so yep, just much. Didn't see it. So valuable. I completely yep. so valuable. So yes, um, I think that's that's a big one for sure. And you know, going down 
my list of things that, you know, if, if I was having a chat with Jessica and she explained to me what she had going on, let's make the assumption for a moment that things are great with the programming, okay? Like it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's solid. Then a couple of the big building blocks that I would ask about that aren't flashy or sexy or whatnot is just getting back to the nutrition and sleep. You know, how, yep. how has the diet been? How has the diet been consistently? Is there room to improve there? Most of us would say yes, that there is room to improve there. How has the sleep been? Because I'm, I'm a, a big advocate, unless you're one of the, the blessed few, of which I am not, <laughs> that you can just eat like a dumpster and, you know, the sleep's hit or miss and you're just built like a Greek god and things are going great in the gym. That's, I don't think most of us normal humans have that going on. So, well, I, I'll, I'll only push back on that and say, yeah, when you're 19. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Fine. Yes. You know, I think a lot yeah. of people can get away with it then, but that is not the target demographic that we're no, yeah, <laughs> chatting about in, in this particular now. instance. Yeah. And I'm not sure if I, okay, she is the affiliate owner. So, We've got a we've got a busy woman here. You know, I don't know sure. about any other aspects of her life, um, but you're a small business owner. I'm sure she's coaching mm -hmm. a bunch of classes. She's writing the own programming. She's trying to knock out the program beforehand to figure out to make sure that it's good to go. Um, you know, there's a pretty good chance that nutrition or sleep might be taking a little bit of a ding just because yep. there's only so many hours in the day. And and. Like you just said, now that we're talking to an athlete in their 40s, it's going to be really hard, plus 10 years into CrossFit. So you're in your 40s. Yep. You've been doing constantly varied function movements for a decade plus. You've got a super busy schedule. All these other things are going on that if one or two of these little things that you're trying to juggle, one being sleep, one being nutrition, falls to the floor, it's not going to take long for that to negatively affect your Helen time, your deadlift, your back squat, you know, you name yep. it. So I, yep, I dive into sure. those first. Totally. And I'll piggyback on that and say recovery was another thing that jumped out to me. And obviously nutrition and sleep are going to play a huge role in that. Um, but she mentioned that she's working out five to six days a week religiously, which again, that's commendable. It's awesome to have that kind of discipline. Um, but I think sometimes people fall into the trap of, I'm not seeing the progress I want. I'm just going to do it harder. <laughs> and that's not always going to be as counterintuitive as it feels. It, it's not always going to be the best path forward. Sometimes you have to take an assessment and say, okay, hold on a second. Am I showing up to the gym five, six days a week and really having the energy to put forward an effort that is working for me and, and pushing the needle forward? Or am I slavishly devoted to this schedule because that's what I've convinced myself that has to happen. And within that, I think you have a lot of flexibility. Are we talking about five days in a row just hitting the hammer hard? Or are we talking, I do two days on, I take a day off, and then I hit three training mm -hmm. days hard after that with a day off. What does that schedule look like and when's the last time it was experimented with? That would be another immediate go-to for me is, okay, let's take a look at this five, six days a week and really determine if it's actually serving the goal. And if it's not, then let's change it because it's one of those things. Um, again, another kind of weird psychological trap that people fall into, myself included, is I'm not getting the result I want. I have this program that I'm doing five, six days a week. I'm just mm -hmm. going to hit it harder 
And no, I'm not going to change anything because for some reason, I think if I change anything, it's going to get worse. You're like, well, you've already stated you're right. not satisfied. So what's the danger in trying something new? Uh, you might as well, because what you're doing currently isn't getting you there. So take a look at that five, six days a week. How are you playing them across the week? Is that too much? Um, you know, it could be as simple as, hey, I, I remove a day so that the days I am there, I'm hot, mm -hmm. so to speak. That could be huge. You've, you, you're just robbing from my list, which is fantastic. <laughs> Good, I, I, I'm I glad laid I got out, to go first. <laughs> I had them laid out one through 10. So you just took four and five. So I'm not going to, okay. I, just, I just tap on them. I had as number four, not taking yeah. enough rest days, yeah. you know, and you hit on that. So I'll leave that alone. I had a number five going too hard too often. Yep. And, and I'm not saying that this is Jessica's deal. You just touched on it. But, you know, we've said this before, and I think it always bears repeating because I, I like to assume that people have watched every episode of Varied Not Random. Maybe they have not. <laughs> Even though CrossFit is constantly varied functional movements at high intensity, that is just a shorthand for something which could be a much longer discussion. So, you know, it's, it is that simple, but it's not that simple. So don't mistake that definition as, well, it's high intensity. And every day I do CrossFit. So every day I have to lay it on the line with maximal 100% effort every time. I kind of like how you said, maybe you can out train that bad diet and bad sleep when you're in your 20s. Maybe you can do that at a certain point in your life. It is not what I have seen been be a long term sustainable path or success with most yeah. athletes. And, you know, we touched on variance a second ago. And with variance, people if they understand the methodology, I think start to understand like, yes, it makes sense that I modulate and vary the, you know, loading uh, from mm -hmm. body weight to light, medium and heavy and rep schemes from low to high and time domains from short to long. Like, yep, I get that. It's not always the same thing. I would encourage you to do that also with your intensity. And what I do every Friday, I look forward to the next week that I'm about to attack. And I try to lay out my week. Now, no plan survives contact with the enemy. And frequently, <laughs> it gets changed. But I, I try to go in with a plan and modify as needed. And out of five, I work out five days a week. And out of those five days, one will certainly be a heavy day. So I'm going to lift whatever I can lift that day. And out of the other four days, let's say those are all mixed modality, I'm probably going to look at them and attempt to really press the gas kind of nice on two of those four. And on the other two, I'm going to just say they're going to be moderate days. And mm. allowing myself those moderate days allows me to actually press the gas on the other two. If I attempted to press the gas on all of those workouts, none of them would really be that great. It wouldn't work out that well. So I'm not saying that, you know, Jessica, that you need to do what I'm doing. But what I'm saying is I would give yourself some grace, realize that maybe, you know, if you are just hitting it too hard, it can be tough for CrossFitters to think that taking it easy will actually get them to the finish line in a better manner, but it might be something worth exploring is all I'm saying. Yeah. And I had written down uh, something that I think dovetails nicely into that, which is building mentality versus testing mentality. Mm. And I think it's very similar to what you're talking about. You know, when you are in the gym, you've been there for a long time and you know that it's not just going to be a cheap and easy PR every time you step foot in there. You really have to adopt a mentality of I'm building towards something over the long term rather than 
I'm trying to test myself every single day. And they might, you know, on first glance, you, you might ask what's the difference, but there's a pretty significant psychological change between I am here because this is part of a greater whole and every day is kind of a brick in the wall versus I have to push the limit and stomp the gas. Otherwise, this will not be effective. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the extreme case of where you can find yourself if you're convinced that testing every single day is what you need to be doing. Um, and I, you know, I think it's pretty obvious what I think about that. I, once you get past a certain level of training development, it's just not possible to do that. Um, mm -hmm. At least not without feeling like you're beat up and burned out. And that's certainly not going to help your case. So try to come into things with this building mentality. And, and to go back on something I said earlier, if you can identify things that are legitimate weaknesses and you can kind of highlight those more regularly, you can start to develop that build mentality within you pretty quickly because you do start to see that um, development spurred on a little bit more quickly than you would with other things that are more trained. Mm -hmm. and, and with each person, I'm trying so hard to stay on track right now, not go, uh, not get lost <laughs> in my own rabbit hole. And, and with each person, they might have areas, or maybe not, maybe even just workouts that there's not much room left there. But like you're saying, there are others where you've got nothing but opportunity left. And I'll, you know, I'll use myself mm -hmm. as an example. And, and I don't know if you, if this will spark anything in your mind. It, this used to bum me out, and it doesn't anymore. Become okay with it. <laughs> I'm fairly certain that I will never, ever PR my Fran ever again for as long as I am on planet Earth. I'll, I'll tell you a story about that when you're done. <laughs> ever. Now, now, that's a mixture of um, it was just a decent workout for me. Uh, you know, I'm not great overhead, but I could, you know, hip drive a 95 pound barbell there. Uh, yep. pull-ups were fine, did a ton, you know, my former life in the military. The time domain, at least years ago, was was back short enough that I, I would I would I would risk basically having my heart explode and die <laughs> to get a good time. Like I was there mentally as well. Like so all those factors yep. align perfectly for Fran to be a really good workout for me. And so I had a whole series of like really, really fast Frans that that literally to get faster, since it was all unbroken, I'd be like, well, I'm going to try to move the barbell a little closer to the pull-up bar. Okay, well, and once you're there, you don't have much wiggle room left in, in that workout. So I don't think I'm ever going to PR Fran again. And that's a hard pill to swallow, maybe. You know, I, I, like I said, I've come to peace with it. But at the same time, I realize I've got so much room to grow in my LSAT that it's absolutely mm -hmm. astonishing. And, and I have taken, you know, kind of what we're talking about here, that that that's okay. And so every time I I do Fran for the rest of my life or some version of thrusters and pull-ups, it will never be a PR. Okay, the fact that I'm still doing some version of a below parallel drive to overhead mixed with an upper body pull that's a short and sharp workout, is a it's in the win category. Because for me, that now is just like you said, it's just another brick in the wall. It's not that I yep. have to PR. It's that today I needed a short, a short and sharp workout below parallel overhead with a gymnastic pull. Fran, beautiful. What was the time? I kind of care and I kind of don't because it served mm -hmm. a purpose for that for that brick in the wall. And that's that was a bit yeah. of a journey for me to to get there, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah, definitely, absolutely. 
What's um, your, you well, said you had a Fran story or, or a PR oh, story, what was I, it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I did Fran a couple years ago. Uh, full disclosures, the last time I did it, it was probably 2018, I would guess. I'd have to go back and look. Maybe 2019. And I made a deal with myself that if, oh, if I was boy. still a sub three, I would never do it again. <laughs> And I did it. So, oh. so that's it. I'm never doing it again. I, I was like, okay, you know, it's good enough. Uh -huh. There are other things that I need to continue to work on that are not that good. So this is fine. It's, um, it's clearly not a weakness. I don't even, it, it was certainly not my best, but right. you know, good enough. So let's good put you. a stamp good in that you. one and I don't have to worry about it anymore. In, <laughs> impressive for sure. So, okay, let me just get back to my list here. Though. Yeah. So we covered kind of going too hard too often. Um, you kind of touched on this. I'm going to lump it all in together. I'm going to cut and paste this and move it because I also had in here as a different one. Potentially You're so organized with your notes. Thank by the well, way, I have a I got a little whiteboard here that I always have off camera that I'm it's, staring it's, at. It's out of necessity. I would just mm. be a babbling fool. So it's linked into the maybe the going too hard too often we talked about that a second ago of maybe having to do less you know we touched on that but i had as, as a two separate ones number one going too hard too often and then a different one was doing too much in any one particular session and you kind of yes. lumped that in as well as like hey i'm not happy and I, I can understand where this mindset comes from i'm not happy with what's happening i should do a bit more right because that's a very simple thing to think of is doing more will lead me to a better place and that frequently is not the case. So if that is what's happening with Jessica, I would think about modulating intensity every now and then. Every day is not a red line near-death experience. Um, <laughs> doing too much in any one particular session I don't think is advantageous for a lot of people. And lumped into that too much in one session is also, I would say, just respecting the heavy days. So like when a heavy day does mm -hmm. pop up, I know it is becoming more and more popular to do kind of like this smaller, shorter, quicker, micro heavy day more often. And then we'll get in something afterwards. We'll get a good sweat. And we'll feel like we've accomplished some, some quote unquote CrossFit. Uh, I would also encourage somebody that if you've got something like a seven by one deadlift or a five by five back squat to happen, allow that to be your entire session that day yep. and really pour your heart and soul into the lifts into taking three to four minutes between lifts to really recover into a beautiful warm-up into you know incrementally jumping up in weight whatever makes sense for you before you begin your working set and it will take you every single solitary bit of an hour so maybe and i don't know for jessica here but she says her lifts are down if you've been lifting in that other manner that i described that i would say is a bit rushed i think it's rushed and ineffective if i'm being totally honest i would encourage giving it the full respect that it deserves. And I, I've i seen time and time again that work really well for people. Yeah, that, and that speaks to something I got written down. It was actually top of my list, but just didn't come out first for whatever reason. And that's frequency versus volume. And I think that's exactly what you're discussing here. This idea that more, more, more in a single session is somehow the secret. Uh, it's, again, counterintuitive often, but usually not the case. Most of us are not um, going to find a lot of utility in just beating ourselves up day in and day out. And, you know, every once in a while, hey, I get it. You got to get a grinder in for oh, whatever sure. reason. Maybe maybe it's necessary for the thing you're working on that day. Maybe you just got to get the demons out. I don't know. We've all been there in both of those circumstances and fair enough. 
But if every single training day is structured that way, sooner or later, you're going to start to notice that you're just putting in such an effort for really little return. Uh, I can't talk about this enough, and I know I've said it in past episodes, but I fundamentally believe that one of the hardest training axioms to, to figure out is the idea that you are going for minimally effective dose. Mm, That's what you mm. want. You want to train so just, just enough that it pushes the needle forward maximally. Not so much that you're just beat down and exhausted from it. That's something entirely different and not particularly useful in my opinion. And that's for both physiological and psychological reasons. You know, physiologically, you can only recover from so much. And psychologically, again, it's this mentality of if I step away from the training and I feel like, oh man, I could have done a little bit more. Well, great. When I come in tomorrow, I'm going to be motivated to do a little bit more. But if every day is like, oh man, I got through this session and it just ground me out. Well, the next session, you're probably not going to be as excited about. You just do it because that's what you're supposed to be doing, quote unquote. So very, very different mindset, very, very different outcome when you're thinking about things from, I just want to do enough, just enough to push the needle forward as much as possible without doing more, just enough so that when I step away from the training, I'm like, I could have done a little bit more. I'm fired up to get back in there that's the sweet spot that you should be pursuing. So you got to take a step back and make sure that that's not getting lost in this discipline that, you know, discipline's a great thing, but sometimes mm -hmm. it can be so regimented that it works against you. Amen to that. I, I would, yeah. that's, I am, I will wave that flag all day long with you about getting the maximum benefit from the, from the minimum amount of time and things that you have to do. Yep. Huge fan of that. We've covered seven of the 10 that I had and that, Two that I'm going to, I'll touch on two right now because they, they talk about real nice what you just mentioned, which is like a psychological side of it. I feel mm -hmm. these next two are kind of in there. And so I had written down just the stresses of life. And I don't think people give themselves yeah. enough grace, for lack of a better way to say it, of just relax. Like, hey, we are kind of just working out. Like, just, just relax. Life gets hectic. And it sounds like Jessica's got a hectic life going on. And, you know, for example, today, I, my workout of the day is supposed to be a five by five front squat. And I actually got a mm -hmm. really good night's sleep last night. It was fantastic. And I woke up this morning, like a psycho thinking about the <laughs> five by five front squat. I was like, <gasps> I was like, I got a good night's sleep last night. This is going to be fantastic. Like I'm excited to see what I'm going to actually lift. This is amazing. Well, again, life has no regard for what you have planned. Um, the day's already gotten away. My wife woke up with a like debilitating migraine headache, headache. She's basically inoperable for the day period. So the two kids, the baby, and the dogs and work is all on me. Now we're getting torrential rain here in Washington state. And as I got my son up this morning on the second floor, I looked out the window, our gutters are overflowing. Something's clogged in the gutters. Oh, yeah. So yep. we're getting seven days of rain here. So sometime today, on top of everything else, the kids have sports tonight. We got to get them to two different locations, two different everythings. Um, I got to get out on the ladder in the rain and figure out where the gutters are clogged. The five by five front squat, <laughs> which I just said to do properly, takes every bit of an hour. Mm. That ain't going to happen today. Stressors of life, it ain't going to happen. And you know what? Some, something like that happens in my life at least once a week, at least because life does not care about my fitness yep. goals. And so today, as I told you beforehand, 
I'm like, well, today is just going to be whatever I can do. It's supposed to be a five by five front squat. I went into the garage. I grabbed a 150 pound D ball. It's sitting in the back of my office right now. And I'm just going to at random times, step away from the computer, turn around, bear hug the D ball and do a um, whatever number of squats until my legs go, that's enough. Stop squatting that thing. Then I'll set it down <laughs> and I'll just do that for some unknown number of repetitions today. And you know what? To some degree, who cares? Because um, whether it does or doesn't help my lifetime PR five rep front squat, what I will have done today is I'll have gone below parallel heavy. And today's supposed to be going below parallel heavy. So I have to give myself the grace of being like, you know what? It's not what was supposed to happen, but it's actually good enough. And that's okay. So I would say that's my stressors of life one. And then the other one I'll hit real quick that Jessica might try. And this is almost heresy to say in CrossFit, but I'm (laughs) going to say it is at least once a week, at least I work out and I don't turn the clock on. And trust me, as somebody who's been in CrossFit as long as I have, uh, I understand the value of the clock. I understand the value of measurable, observable, repeatable data. I also understand the value of me not having a psychological breakdown because I'm 10 seconds slower than the last time I did this and I just want to move today. And so Mm -hmm. once a week, I schedule it in. I'll do a workout, even if it's a benchmark that I've done before, and I'll just allow myself to move at whatever pace I feel like moving that day, and I don't know what the time was. And I have personally found that to be so good for my body, my mind, and my soul that it doing that once a week keeps me having fun working out. That on the other yep. days, when I do decide to stomp the gas, I do decide to run the clock, I don't feel burnt out. I don't feel like... I'm not even quite sure the word I'm searching for, but I have found tremendous value in doing something like that allows me to work out for another two decades. That's a win Mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned. Totally worth it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And uh, it kind of brings to mind your first point there, um, a comment that my friend Sean made on one of the earlier videos. I think it was the video where you're talking about the reality of training with your uh, daughter when she was first born Mm. and you know just the kind of topsy-turvy schedule that you get thrown (laughs) into with with a life event like that and his point yeah his point in the comments is a great comment he had a bunch of you know working out with with new kids and how you can fit fitness into your day and that sort of thing and one of the big points that i thought was really great in his uh his writing there was this this idea of hey this is what you've been training for Mm-hmm. You you built up a reserve so that when things get hectic, yeah, you might not be pushing the needle forward, but at least you've got the the buffer Absolutely. so that things aren't going backwards. And that's a huge win, um, you know, comparatively. And I know you don't want to get too far down the comparative rabbit hole because you can always find somebody who's you know, better looking, richer, fitter, whatever. But at the end of the day, if you're talking about somebody who's got a decade plus of training under their belt versus somebody who does not and life gets in the way, I mean, I'll tell you who I'm going to pick every single time. There's no question there. So that's, that's really important um, to just kind of remember some of those when you're maybe not at your best or when life throws you a curveball. But I only had one other thing that I wanted to uh, go ahead. I just got one more too there. Okay, cool. And this is less of a, um, 
a, a point and more of a shout out. And this is an underutilized um, resource, in my opinion. You know, CrossFit kind of quietly put out some online courses uh, over the last couple of years. One of them was a master's specific course mm. written by the 2015 45 year old uh, champ, Matt Swift, down in Australia. And he's a, a good he's dude. A really intelligent Real good guy. Dude. Yeah. Yep, big brain on him, and he had, uh, for many, many years, a really thriving master's population down in Brisbane, Australia. I believe he's since sold that gym. Otherwise, I'm, you know, I'm sure he would still have a program like that up and running. Um, anyway, at the end of the day, that course is awesome. I had the pleasure of helping to edit and review some of the material, and um, my goodness, it's it's a got a ton of useful tips for training masters of all ages and he's got a great way of breaking down early versus late masters experienced versus inexperienced he's got these great um overlapping quadrants that he calls them uh, and what to think about for each of those kind of use cases and i learned a ton going through that so i would recommend anybody who's an affiliate owner and coach that works with that population should check it out and doubly so if it applies to you i think it's mm -hmm. something that um you know, you can really squeeze a lot out of. So check that out. Surf on over to the uh, CrossFit page and see if that um, helps you. Good old Brisbane, Australia. That's right. Brizzy. Yep. Brizzy. I've done many, <laughs> many a trip to Brizzy. Uh, yep. You know, the last one that I had was just, even after 10 years, maybe it feels like you shouldn't have to do this, but you are always authorized to scale or modify a workout. Mm -hmm. Don't feel some pressure to do something prescribed. Just because you've done it five times before, if you're going to do DT and for whatever reason, 155 or 105 just feels like death today, knock it down. You're going to be okay. You're yeah. going to do deads, hang power cleans. You're going to get the barbell overhead. You're going to get your heart rate up. You're going to go through a great range of motion. Life goes on. So scale, modify. Ego is the enemy. Scaling is cool. Embrace that. Yep. And the last thing, um, it's not a point, but but I, I like to frame this every now and then. I think it helps paint a picture is, you know, she also says she might be 30 seconds slower on a timed workout. Mm -hmm. Well, I just said, here's like a little bit of a sanity check that maybe you're doing way better than you give yourself credit for. And let's say that your Helen, lifetime Helen PR, I just pulled a random, random number out, is 13 minutes, okay? And today you did it in 13 minutes and 30 seconds. So you're 30 seconds slower, exactly what she's saying. If you do the math on that, that is only 4% slower than your lifetime PR. But it seems like a big deal because it's 30 mm -hmm. seconds. Oh my goodness. It's only 4%. So my point being, even like on a bad day, quote unquote, you're operating within 5% of a lifetime PR. That's amazing. Like that's people who train yeah. to lift and peak on a certain day would love to just on any given day. I'm within 5% of the best I've ever done in my entire time in this planet. I don't think CrossFitters yeah. give themselves enough credit for how uh, how amazing it is the capacity you have even on a less than ideal day. So I like to keep that kind of in my head that most of us are doing yeah, better. That's a great point. Most of us are doing better than we think we are. And it's not a PR, whoop-de-doo, you're off by 4%. You're okay. <laughs> yeah, that's an excellent point. I, I could not agree more with that. Um, and especially what you said about you know, performers at a high, high level, that's not, uh, 
something that just happens on demand. There's weeks and months of training that go into a specific day. Mm-hmm. And once that effort is spent, then it's weeks and months again until maybe you come back and eclipse it. Maybe. Right. Um, but it's not, it's not an on-demand type of uh, situation by any stretch. 100%. Well, yeah. I think I've got everything uh, off my chest that I had on the topic. Yeah, me too. Okay. Yep. I, I sincerely hope that Jessica found this helpful in some way, shape, or form. But I, you know, we picked the question because, man, I just think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to that with the time Absolutely. under training or started in their 30s. Now they're in their 40s and yep. we've all been there. And so, but there are things that you can try. I think there was a lot of good advice in there. So keep the questions, keep the comments coming as you say, uh, as you see. We read them, we pay attention, and they do drive the content of the show. So, Jessica, thank you very much. And to everybody watching or listening, we really appreciate you. Uh, Head on over to the BTWB YouTube channel, even if you are listening to this in just a podcast audio format. Find this episode. And now you know what Adrian and I think. Great, but we're kind of more interested to hear what do all of you think. What would you recommend to Jessica? Or if you've been in a similar situation, what have you found that actually helped you move forward with that? And we'll all educate ourselves and hopefully improve together as a community. So as always, for Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood, and we will see you next time.